0: I think subscription is only going to continue to increase. Amazon Prime was kind of like the Trojan horse.
1: Hey there, welcome to another episode of Up Next in Commerce, the top podcast for e-commerce insights, where we get to hear from executives leading the charge at the most innovative Fortune 500 companies, the fastest growing startups today, and everything in between. I'm Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org. And today I'm talking to Drew Himmel, the founder and CEO of Consult PCR. We got to discuss all the basic mistakes that e-com brands still make today, even in this day and age, with all the information we have telling us exactly what to do, plus some ideas on how to actually implement some of the small fixes to improve your businesses that are often ignored in favor of the shiny new object. And those tips have helped brands that you know, like Mudwater, Halo Sport, and more, focus on what really matters, improve retention, reduce churn, build resiliency, so you'll definitely want to take notes. Let's get into it. the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. True, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Steph. Yeah, great to be here.
1: Glad to have you. So, you have a very interesting background, which is why you're here, as you know. You have this beautiful blend of like an intersection of digital strategy and investing and kind of seeing the future, which is why I wanted you to come on the show because I'm like,, <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. Usually, I hear about one or the other, but never the two. So I first want to kind of go back to, you know, where did your interests come from when it comes to digital and when it comes to investing?
0: Well, uh, the interest in digital came at a early age. i Always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad was a serial entrepreneur, and it was in 2007. Internet was obviously a thing, and more and more businesses were coming online. And it was an easy way for me to leverage my youth with starting my own business. I read SEO for Dummies, uh, version two, uh, taught myself (laughs) a book, and taught myself how to build websites and created a business card and kind of worked out of my living room. I did have to have on the card account executive because I grew up in more of a conservative town. So because I was young, they were a little nervous giving their money to a 23-year-old to help them with digital marketing. So I'd always come back and say, oh, let me check that with my boss and let me clear and make sure everything looks okay. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) have a conversation with myself and and then come back to them and say, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, my gosh.
1: Was this a one man show back in the day? Like, were you by <laughs> yourself doing that? Or did you start having like a team working with you?
0: Oh, no, I was I was, you know, I, I still remember I was joking about it actually this morning over coffee with a friend. And I was meeting with my accountant about taxes and other things. He's like, all right, well, let me see what your you know, P&L looks like. And I look at him and go, I have no idea what a P&L is. So <laughs> it was uh, uh trial by fire for sure. I got my undergrad and MBA, uh, you know, shortly there. And yeah, I think my first website took me 13 months to build. And uh now we can turn it around in a few days, it seems like. So a lot of lessons learned along the way. But I was I was happy just to kind of be on my own and control my own destiny. And it was fun. You know, you're you're learning constantly because it and it's still, you know, that's still why I love it. Is you have to stay up to date. It's changing, I mean, gosh, on a daily basis, it seems like. So the passion from digital was it, it just kind of made sense at the right time. And yeah, now I'm kind of long haired you know, long gray hair with uh, 15 years of experience, um, you know, running my own shop.
1: Yep. And so you've run your own shop twice, right? Because I saw in the beginning you were, you had one business and you were working with brands, I think like Lyft and I think it was NBA, MLB. I'm trying to remember all the big names where I was just like, yeah. oh, wow, these are a big <laughs> deal. And then now you have another one, which still working with, it seems like more fast growth, like you know, companies like Mudwater, which everyone knows, you know, how fast they scaled and grew. Yeah. So tell me about why too. What happened and how did it start and where is it at now?
0: Yeah. So I've I've had the digital agency for forever. And and you know, honestly, I think a great strength of an entrepreneur and and sometimes a terrible weakness is shiny object syndrome and and getting exposed to new ideas and wanting always to experiment and having a high risk tolerance. And so I had a friend at the time the the business was doing really well, we had steady growth on the on the digital side, and he really came to me and was like look i I have all these connections and relationships, but I've never run a business before and you know i I grew up in a you know relatively small town in Jacksonville, Florida. you know most of my businesses were local you know air conditioning contractors or you know what have you. So we joined forces and it was a, a rocket ship in a lot of ways uh, where we would still send business to the digital agency. But the whole idea was how do we connect all these relationships and drive earned media for businesses? So our first client was Standing Rock and the fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline. So, you know, we put on events at Robert Redford's. Restaurant in Sundance with Shailene Woodley and 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 a bunch of really large brands and influencers, Black Eyed Peas. Wow! And then we also worked with a um, and then we worked with Lyft uh, to help them with like you know it was right at that time when Trump was enacting a lot of his immigration reform and policies. So we would do um, a lot of campaigns connecting them with like various uh, influencers and campaigns uh, to drive awareness because they you know they donated a million dollars to ACLU right off the bat because a lot of their their drivers were were immigrants, and so it, it was just really fun. And you know, we helped the Chargers, the NFL team, move from San Diego to LA, doing you know brand partnerships, community development, and you know it grew to twelve people from all kinds of background, from IBM to GoPro to Pandora. And you know, I think at the end of the day, it was that lack of focus where I was getting pulled in two different directions. So I sold my uh, stake in that that consultancy and. Came back about two and a half years ago to focus uh, on the agency that, luckily, had been running the whole time, and wanted to grow that. And, and now we've since then had that focus on yeah, like you said, high growth uh, consumer brands, really helping them drive a lot more value on the e-commerce side of the business. And luckily, it was the right timing, you know, there as well, where uh, a lot of a lot more businesses were coming online, you know, due to the pandemic and less you know shopping and retail, and we were able to position ourselves really well to be able to help accelerate some of that growth for a lot of the brands we work with.
1: That's awesome. Okay. So when you onboard a new brand today, what are some of maybe like the audits that you go through? I'm thinking about, you know, like the mud waters, when they come to you, what do you be like, what kind of instant value are providing them? Cause I'm thinking about everyone listening. They're like, okay, how can, how can Drew help me right now? Even if I'm not working with him. So like what are some things <laughs> that you do right from the start when a brand comes in where you're like, this is wrong, this is wrong. Here's how to do it. like, give me some behind the scenes.
0: <laughs> so, I think, first of all, you know, there's usually it's a double edged sword sometimes with with agencies. You know, I think a lot of people have had bad taste, and they are a little hesitant to say, okay, you know, we would maybe prefer to have this in house. And so, what we want to immediately do is be able to figure out the low hanging fruit that exists that we can start driving, you know, value for the brands, so that we can get the singles on the board that can turn in the triples and the home runs, you know. And so, what we'll do and i think our focus is a little unique we don't we don't spend time on your creative your paid media anything of that accord it's really looking at your website and your own assets so that's your website your email and your sms and we identify like where's a lot of low hanging fruit we've worked with now 50 plus brands in the e-commerce space looked at millions and millions of visitors of traffic you know millions of people of uh, in terms of database and customers and on the website there's just a lot of things that for whatever reason, people don't focus on as much. They focus so much on the creative and the ads and where they're spending, uh, you know, kind of their dollars. But for us, we're like, if you could take care of that and have a really solid foundation and a home that you're sending everybody to, it's only going to improve your cost of acquisition across the board for SEO, social media and the various channels. And so there's a lot of these that exist, uh, that I like to talk about and. I think for, for us, it's like you're dealing with people with this, the attention level of about a second grader. So you really want to remove friction, make it as easy as possible. And, and how do you do that? So if you have a lot of products, a search bar, you know, right there, making it a little bit more prominent as opposed to the magnifying glass, have search in the words we've shown have a huge increase in terms of the amount of traffic it gets three to five X the conversion of almost any other page on your site. And so making it really prominent right there on the main navigation is something that you could do today. It doesn't take much development and, and code. And I can almost guarantee you, I'm not in the business of guarantees, but you will see a lift in, in terms of overall conversion just by that quick little fix right there. Another one that always comes to mind is not treating all your traffic the same. You know, some, you might have a, a lot of returning, you know, customers. In the case of Mudwater, it's a heavy subscription-based product. That's where 80%, 90% of the revenue comes from. And so you don't need to tell the brand story necessarily. You want to be able to find easy entry paths for them to do what you want them to do, which is you know, kind of repurchase the product. Um, and so having on your homepage with the products and having it add to cart where it's like a one-click kind of checkout versus... What I see brands make a lot of mistakes is they, they might have the best sellers, you click on it, you go to a product page, and then you add it to the cart. Well, taking out that one extra step can make a pretty meaningful difference uh, depending on how much traffic you have and, and what that looks like. And so and the third I'll, I'll kind of leave with on the website is site speed increasingly is coming up all the time. Having it where the the compression on your images is easy to load on the site, uh, so that it decreases the amount of time that it takes to load to see, you know, everything that's you have to offer, whether it be the content, the images, or the products, it is something where like a lazy load is an easy install. As you're scrolling down the site, you can have these um, uh, pictures only populate once they're on the page itself um, or on that specific uh, portion of the page. So those are like really simple things where. I think the stat everybody throws around, like every extra second your site takes to load, it decreases your conversion by 10%. So if you can focus on that and find some really easy ways to be able to like reduce friction, make it easy to find out you know, uh, the products or what they're looking for, and then uh, for the site itself and the content to be accessible as quickly as possible, you will start to see some pretty meaningful gains in terms of conversion, which is going to affect profitability, revenue, and, and everything else too.
1: Yeah, it's... Interesting because those things sound so obvious, but then I'm like, so many brands don't have that even to today, which I'm like, why? I mean, if you were to go and read how to increase conversions, some of those things would definitely be on their site speed, of course. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't see everyone kind of tapping into that for some reason. Any thoughts on why maybe basic principles like that aren't being covered?
0: I don't know. I always say I'm like in the unsexy part of the business. Like I don't touch influencers or creative or the Mm -hmm. brand, which most brand owners, that's what they like to talk about. They'll agonize over what image or this font or this choice, but the technical details, they might get lost in it and they just don't put themselves in the mind of the consumer. They get so closely related to the brand and what they're seeing because they live it day in and day out. And so that's why I always encourage a lot of brands to install like heat map tracking so you can have like the qualitative data be able to back that up. But yeah, I think it's one they're a little too close to the brand and they don't look at these like simple things just because they it gets neglected or overlooked. And two, it just really isn't appealing uh, or enticing you know, kind of part of the business, even though it makes a huge difference in terms of like overall revenue and profitability too. So I think we are increasingly see this come up more and more with like the iOS updates and costs for acquiring customers on Facebook and other channels becoming increasingly challenging. It's like, well, what do we actually have control over? Well, we can always control the site and and make changes there. You know, change you know things with email uh, as well. So I, I do think it's becoming more and more. We're getting a lot more inbound leads and referrals than we have in, in years past. I think due to you know it's been increasingly difficult to acquire customers in the way that it was even just a few years ago too.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you actually about the you know changes that are happening not just around consumer trends changing and how people are buying and, you know, what they're even interested in this year, but also around the privacy changes. Like you have mentioned the iOS update. I mean, what are you, like, how are you viewing this coming year when it comes to everything digital? Because when thinking about, you know, emails, like, okay, open rates don't matter anymore. Okay. You need to have different metrics and all these new things seem like they're changing. Uh, but I haven't heard enough, you know, actionable advice on like, here's how to maybe tackle these five big things or something. So what are you seeing in this world right now?
0: I mean, I'm obviously incredibly biased. We All we focus on is conversion and retention. And so, you know, the ability for brands to acquire customers as cheaply as they can and to be able to keep and maintain those relationships for as long as they can. And so that is very topical because it is becoming more and more difficult. There's uh, more brands coming online every single day. Amazon is eating, you know, more and more of the market share. You know, kind of across the board, and so it's not just one thing to you know look at the unit economics and what does it cost to acquire one customer, but and that's really where MudWire kind of came in. It was like, okay, we're experiencing some churn from month one to month three. Like, what what tips, tactics, strategies can we employ so that they stay as long as you know, kind of possible? And and I think we're seeing an overinvestment of dollars, resources, and strategy is a lot around you know, kind of retention and and, and building community and, and not thinking about it as like, oh, what's the latest loyalty program that we can, you know, kind of employ? And I, I think brands that really nail this and do it effectively are positioning themselves long term to build more of a resilient business where a few years ago as as an investor, you know, I was seeing a lot of this firsthand, you know, they were raising at crazy, crazy valuations, even pre-revenue. Just based on like, hey, here's the idea and we can go and acquire customers on Facebook and we can be able to do this and it's going to be a repeatable thing. But that's that's not the case anymore. So it's like, what are the strategies that you can do to make sure that you're building a really solid foundation where it's a profitable growth model and you're not just throwing dollars and dollars and dollars, you know, kind of after acquiring customers? Easy ways to do that. uh, I think subscription is only going to continue to increase. Amazon Prime was kind of like the Trojan horse. And I think people are becoming so comfortable now with getting items that you would normally you know, go to the grocery store or go to the, you know, kind of the supermarket to be able to buy. I have probably, and maybe because I'm in the business, I'm a little over Knicks, but I have 10 plus subscriptions at this point. I get you know, my Element electric packets. I get my Comiteer coffee, my blood water, uh, you know, kind of delivered Olipop as like a functional beverage. To toilet paper, to you know, toothpaste. And so what's what's nice about that is you keep them and you have a lot of like data and you can start to reward that loyalty. And with Mudwater, that was one where they were treating all the customers the same. Someone that bought a product one time versus they bought it for every month for three years in a row. How do you start that surprise and delight? Like, how do we start thinking about rewarding them and giving them, you know, maybe a a free creamer, you know, or a free product or having them actually what's coming up a lot that I see been really successful is private Slack communities, private Facebook groups, where they can actually tell them like product ideation and, and starting to kind of like format that with exclusive content. If you can start to position it where, you know, who does this better than anybody? It's the airlines where they really like, they got their point system. They reward you with upgrades, you know, special perks, discounts, things of that nature. And that's, you know, for these airlines, you know, the the stats around Delta, that's a third of their business is from, you know, the loyalty and the, the valuation. So, they've obviously spent a lot of money and dollars, you know, doing that in the same way that Amazon has with their Prime program. How do you know, smaller, up-and-coming, growing D2C brands hope to replicate that by thinking about different strategies that they can employ. And I think Olipop actually a great example of someone that is a customer centric organization that thinks about, you know, how can they surprise, how can they delight, you know, every single customer, but also these, you know, really loyal, you know, kind of customers that they have as well.
1: Yeah. We had, um, Alipop join the show, I think a few months back and th- almost the whole conversation was around how do you surprise your customers and what are like little ways that you can do that? So yeah, that was a good interview for anyone who hasn't seen it. Go check it out. <laughs> so, okay. I want to go back to only because I know mud water because I, you know, as a customer of theirs for a while, I want to know, you know, what were they doing when they came to you? And then what did they start doing? Cause it's one thing to be like, oh, this customer, Stephanie's been around for a year and we need to reward her and definitely understand that piece. But from the one to three month mark, that is the hardest point where I feel like I was like, ah, I like it, but should I keep it? And like, that's like the shakiest period. So what did you all do when they came to you and were like, we need help in this like three month period of retention?
0: Yeah. Um, why well, could take absolutely no credit for the brand or the product. Yeah, it's already uh, Shane great. and yeah. the team there, <laughs> they've, they've done an incredible job. So it's like a, a home run for us. But what we found, there's a proliferation of all these apps and ways that you can communicate with your customer, which is great. But the downside of that is there's all these apps and there's all these different ways that you can communicate with the customer because it, it becomes a little overwhelming. And so in the case of Mud, they had eight different tools and systems communicating with Stephanie, the customer. There's no consolidation. You could have gotten eight messages before you actually got the shipment delivered to your house. And so the brand experience and the onboarding of that product, we felt like was very disjointed um, to be able to like mitigate any of the friction and, and almost introduce some friction there. So what we did was we took a look at it and then we said, hey, let's, let's consolidate everything into Klaviyo, you know, SMS shipping notifications, the transactional emails that were going through Shopify and really think about for that first time customer, we took a lot of qualitative data from like surveys of like, why were people canceling and what was going on? And, and what we found was it was such a unique product that it's not just, you know, you know, making a pot of coffee. And so we onboarded a platform that integrates great with Klaviyo called Melomo. And what that helps instead of taking, hey, your shipment's on the way, it builds these beautifully designed and branded emails and and say, hey, you know, build a little bit of buzz and excitement, but here's our our common recipes and unboxing videos and things like that to accompany the shipping notification. So taking something that's like a stale, very static, you know, usually it's like HTML written, no design, turning into more of like a branded, beautiful experience, I think really started to get ahead of some of these objections that were, you know, kind of happening that we noticed by analyzing the survey data. And then two... The common uh, reason why they were getting cancellations was I have too much of the product or I'm not using it enough. And so what we did through Recharge, the subscription platform, is we launched Recharge SMS, integrated that with Clavio. And it sounds counterintuitive, but we actually gave people an option. We would let them know, hey, you know, we're fulfilling your order. Your shipment's on the way. It's going to be delivered on this date. Do you need to pause? Do you want to gift this? You know, do you want to pause for a week, you know, a month? And what Recharge actually found was brands that offer this as an option reduced churn by as high as like 20 to 30% by giving them that, you know, optionality. So you don't feel like you're in the, you know, the old school days of like a gym membership where you, I feel like you had to go get your mom's like written approval, you know, get a blood sample just to be able to cancel, you know, the gym membership and have to do it in person. Customers want... Optionality—they want to be able to feel like they're in control. They don't want to feel like they're locked into some two-year contract or you know kind of agreement that they can't get out of. So those were like two core things um, that we were able to introduce was like the consolidation of the communication, the onboarding experience, and then two just giving that optionality with common reasons where you know I don't want five boxes of mud water that I'm not actually using sitting on my pantry shelf. And those two things alone made a dramatic impact. You know, in terms of reduction in churn increase of lifetime value and, and, and things of that nature.
1: There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're gonna go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about, publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. So it reminds me of there's this water company that's super bougie and everyone can make fun of me for using this water company, but it's called (laughs) Alive Water and they ship you spring water in a glass container. I wanted to support it because the person here, I think they're maybe from Austin or I don't know, I heard about it in the Austin community. And every week they send me a text, a wonderful lady named Christine is like, Hey, 70, do you want your delivery of li- live water? And some weeks I say yes. And then most I say no because I don't need it. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know if they're making this too easy, but that is my new standard. I want a Christina texting me every week, making sure that I actually <laughs> need this water. And if I don't, she's like, no worries. Yeah. I'll talk to you next week. I'm like, bye. Yeah. So it's like the best experience. And it's a good reminder that when it comes to these like subscription products these days, it can't be like how it started back in the day where it like locked you in or even how it was maybe like six months ago where it's still like, you know, you had to kind of commit to a time frame. It's very much like customers want it when they want it. And if they want to pause it, they do, but they'll probably stay as long as you don't make it too strict. Because if, if she would have said no, or if they would have been like, you get it every two weeks, whether you want it or not, I would have probably gone in and canceled and then forgot. And then maybe come came back in a year or so. So It's all about, yeah, optionality these days
0: yeah i I think it's important because it's you're playing the long game and you're trying to build you know a relationship and it's that personal touch and all those things that you mentioned too that I think make a huge difference but there's a couple of products that I've subscribed to in the past where I have to like you know go three separate steps get into my login page and then they make me call or i've you know the gym membership comes to mind you have to like uh. fax something in or mail in a cancellation yeah. print it out it's just like you know, that that one experience, yeah, maybe you're making it harder so you keep them a month longer or something like that, but it's gonna end up biting you in the long run. And I think, yeah, with so many brands coming online, there's only gonna be more competitors and, and things like that. And if you can't compete always on price, you can, I think, compete on experience and and prioritizing that makes a huge, you know, kind of difference, I think, in the customer's mind.
1: Yeah. Okay, what keeps you up at night? I mean, you get to see a lot of behind the scenes on some really cool brands. Like, what are things that kind of have you worried? Where you're like, I'm looking for options for this. I'm digging deep into this world. Like, what are you thinking about?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, right or wrong, I, I chose a business that is constantly evolving and changing. The products that we are offering, the services that we are providing. I mean, I can say 15 years ago, but even a year ago has is you know kind of changed. And I think. I'm a very big believer in like more of the specialist mindset, because that's the only way we can keep up with everything. If we were full service and we were trying to understand your Amazon business and your paid social, even paid social, it's like the rise of TikTok and the nuance, you know, kind of within that versus Facebook versus, you know, kind of YouTube. Um, And so, you know, the business is going to constantly change, you know, for us. Apple makes their update. And yeah, we don't see open rates anymore. So it's like, what are we doing fundamentally to be able to mitigate that risk and, and kind of the changes? And then, you know, the things that keep me up are, unfortunately, a lot of the things I can't control. Like who knew that this deadly, you know, pandemic was going to happen a couple of years ago. And I remember having like an all hands meeting and just saying, Hey, here's what we're doing. This is how we're preparing. We were a fully, you know, in an office every single day for, 13 of the 15 years, we have not stepped foot back in that office in two years, you know, amidst all these, like, you know, with what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, it's like, there's just so much that we leave a deadly pandemic, and then we're going into, you know, potential war. It's like all these things that obviously keep me up at night that I'm, I'm trying to do what's best for, for my team and really. really, you know, care a lot about them to make sure that they feel heard. And we have to build resiliency in our business. And so, you know, for me, it's, Mitigating any kind of like risk with like overleveraging ourselves, like building a business that that makes sense that can be here for years to come, and continually educating ourselves on what's ahead. Um, I think my team gets a little overwhelmed. I mean, I was pushing Klaviyo and e-commerce like two and a half years ago, and they're like, Drew, we're we're doing HubSpot and this, like, we don't need to look at these other you know kind of items and you have to be willing to, you know, experiment and, and try new things. And some of them are going to fail and you got to be willing to face that as a leader of the organization. And I think that's what our clients are looking for. You know, we can't be doing checklist work, the same thing that we've been doing. You know, we have to be innovating. We have to be experimenting and just being really forthright with them of like, hey, all these strategies, some of them might not work. And we understand that. But are you willing to kind of go on this journey with us together and, and and trust and respect that we have your best interest at heart and and, and that we are educating ourselves to understand what's going on and what the, the dynamics of being a digitally native brand, you know, kind of means and trying to build, you know, resiliency for them as well.
1: Yep. So what are you pushing the edge on right now? What are you uh, convincing your team is the next big thing to try or experimenting with that maybe would be a bit contrarian or other even e-commerce brands or, you know, digital agencies would be like, yeah, that's not smart, Drew.
0: <laughs> I've taken some crazy flyers personally in my investments and everything from like crypto to colonizing Mars with like SpaceX. Yeah, and well,
1: We'll talk about that. Don't you worry. <laughs>
0: and, you know, meditation six years ago when everyone's like, yeah, I, no one meditates. What are you doing? So, you know, I've always had a high risk tolerance, you know, kind of within that. I think one example is my head of UX, we, we hired her a little over a year ago. She was at Victoria's Secret for, for a decade. And I just like, she's a perfect fit. At the time, we did no CRO, no UX. I didn't even really know what merchandising strategy meant, but I just believed in her. And I was like, look, this is a great accompaniment to all the retention work that we did. And it was a huge risk at the time. And so I think we're looking at ways that we can continue to push the envelope increasingly, even like email marketing, we don't really do. We've turned away a lot of business where it's like copywriting and design. We're looking at more like, what does it mean in the app ecosystem and understand the broader like segmentation strategy, be able to leverage data analytics to be able to tell that story and how our technology is going to impact that. So one that I think is a, a buzz, buzzy word that a lot of people are talking about now is like crypto and, and NFTs. I think it's here to stay, both as an individual investor and some of the, and and we do have some clients, you know, kind of in the space that are NFT marketplaces and things like that. But broadly, the application, you know, there's a lot of scams out there. There's a lot of stuff that's going to end up going to zero, 90 plus percent in my uh, opinion. But if you think of the thesis where, again, what we talked about at the top of like, how do brands, you know, kind of prepare themselves for these changes to Facebook and higher costs for acquiring customers, you can't really reward those. There's like the crowdfunding, you know, kind of platforms where maybe they donate and they get a, you know, kind of some cool perks. There's like loyalty and VIP. But what I think in the next few years, NFT is gonna allow a customer to own a physical aspect of the brand or the business that they most admire. And I, I do believe there's gonna be rewards and mechanisms in place, leveraging blockchain and technology to you know if they're referring a lot of their friends and customers they're posting on social media they're engaging on every single email they're clicking on you know kind of every link they're purchasing every new product that comes out those should be rewarded and i think through you know the, the nfts that's giving them a, a tangible asset and a way to be able to do that i think right now i'm still saying hey let some of these larger brands where you see like you know dior and 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 gucci and and adidas getting into the metaverse and things like that like you know, they have 15, 20 person teams, you know, millions and millions of dollars to be able to dedicate to this. Let them kind of like figure out, be the trailblazer. But I don't think we can ignore it. And there's the payment implications and the, you know, the DeFi and everything that's going on there. But the use cases are, I think, to reward your most loyal customers and very. Technologically advanced ways that just don't, you know, currently exist in apps or you know, kind of any ecosystem. So I'm personally very excited about it. I, I can even feel myself getting energized <laughs> thinking about it and talking about it. I've invested in a lot of projects, but I, I, I think it's here to stay. And I think it's something that we're going to continue to push the envelope as we think about broader like retention strategies and you know, customer stickiness and things like that for the brands we work with.
1: Yeah, it uh, it reminds me of this forget what blog post this was, but it was all around the bundling and unbundling of things. And you think about what you were talking about, like, is my customer sharing on social and here and here right now, it's all very like in one vertical, like you can measure people's maybe social shares and you can measure separately newsletter shares and you can measure, like a referral thing. And they're all very different. And to me, this technology will bring in a capability to bundle it all together so that you can see that cross platform view that you haven't had in the past, which is what's happened with a lot of technology and Different ways, but I'm like, (laughs) it's clearly going to happen here too, because it's very disjointed how they measure, you know, even referrals right now at this point still feel very all over the place.
0: Yeah, because it's like, you know, you look at Brave, which has raised a a ton of money as like a browser where they're actually paying you for your attention to be able to engage with these ads and everything else. Well, that is giving, you know, you're not getting that same information in the way that you have with like first party data or third party data. So I think there's going to be more and more applications where identity and, and privacy is going to continue to be a big topic. We have to think about technology and the impact that that's going to have. And so, you know, we, we have to have a pulse on it. It's going to keep, you know, kind of rapidly evolving. And, and again, I'm just, uh, I'm very long on it. I think there's a lot of projects that are incredibly speculative, but, you know, fundamentally just, it makes sense to me, um, you know, as a business owner.
1: Yeah. I was just talking to the co-founder of Square, Jim, and he's starting a whole company called Invisibly that is basically around rewarding users for giving up data, but, you know, it's very much like it's kind of reminding me of Brave in a way, but uh, much more when it comes to like journalism and how they're getting paid and how consumers are getting paid. And uh, it was it seems like a lot of people are kind of headed in that direction right now and someone will be successful, like who it is, who knows, but definitely seems like that's what consumers are wanting even more now, now that they're understanding what they are giving up and whether they want to choose to do that or not. So then brands have to figure out how to play in a whole different world than what they've been used to, you know, over the past decade or more.
0: Yeah, there's too many smart people getting into the space to ignore at this point. So yeah, um, hundred yeah, percent agree.
1: Okay, so I want to hear about your world of investing. Cause you know, that was why I first was like, Drew, hop on a call, of tell me more about you. You, I think were a seed yeah. investor. So you did space with SpaceX. So you're interested in colonizing Mars. You, uh, like you said, meditation before <laughs> it was cool. So with the call map uh, psychedelics, I think with mind yeah. bloom, which, you know, maybe for some is still contrarian. Yeah, but- Not for me, I think it's great. Tell me how you even got into this space, and what got you most excited in you know being like an early investor in companies that are very early
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's interesting i I'm an entrepreneur at heart, like I said, my dad was talking to me about you know employee management at the dinner table in high school. I, I knew deep down it was something that I always wanted to do. Um, I have two younger brothers that are also entrepreneurs, so I just love the the energy and the the hunger at a at an early stage. And I'm I'm fortunate enough as an agency owner to be able to work with like, you know, my business development lately is like, what are the brands that I love and I want to work with like a Mudwater? We worked with this blood glucose monitoring called Super Sapiens that raised a bunch of money. And I was like, who do I know that's connected to them after reading a Packy McCormick newsletter?
1: Oh, he's so great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Got connected to a mutual friend, Kat Cole, who knew the founder and... You know, then we start working with them and helping. And so, I like industries that kind of push the envelope. I like working with you know the entrepreneurs as they're discovering. Luckily, I've built a skill set that they need around like the digital marketing and strategy. And then you know the the capital along with you know my network. And so you know I'm never going to sell my agency for a crazy multiple or you know a SaaS exit or what you see in you know other industries, but. It is a, a cash flow positive business. You know, I never raised outside funding. My first client, I think, paid me one hundred and fifty dollars a month. I was, you know, I was off to the races from there and profitable every day since. And so within that, I've lived a pretty simple life. I want to invest in things, and and I never was really that passionate about real estate or things of that nature. But what could I actually have a control uh, over the outcome? And and so yeah, you know, kind of early on, wrote my first, you know, kind of angel check and yeah was was calm i met you know michael and alex the the co-founders um through an organization called summit series at summit at sea and you know at the time i think there were seven people um but profitable and growing and, and meditation was something i was experimenting with and unfortunately they didn't let me write a big check but was still able to get a allocation of their friends and family round and that paid off and i was like wow this is this is fun and then SpaceX was the next one. And yeah, like you, you mentioned, Mindbloom, uh, Spark Grills, which is a really cool electric charcoal grill that's uh, got a bunch of big investors kind of behind it and growing pretty rapidly. You know, honestly, as fun as it is, it, it, it became a little bit of a bandwidth constraint. So I ended up uh, LP or investing in two separate funds where they can handle all the deal flow, due diligence and i can do capital you know put in the capital and and do some you know spvs if i really believe in the brand so i carve out a a small like special project vehicle and carve it around if i really believe in the brand and the founder and and, and what they're building and and bring some of my friends into you know these different deals and through angelist it's all kind of handled so it's definitely scratches the itch for me i just love like how are you going to solve these problems, you know, thinking collaboratively with the entrepreneur and how they're tackling it. And yeah, just trying to find ways that I can add value and be, you know, you know, kind of helpful.
1: Yeah. I mean, I also just think it's such a nice blend. Like I said, kind of in the beginning of being able to see what's on the cutting edge, what are people trying to do? And then how do you bring that knowledge back into your agency? Cause you've kind of get a glimpse into the future quite often and already know what kind of problems they might be encountering and then be able to solve them. Pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, and it's you know looking under the hood in terms of like the unit economics around how they're acquiring customers, going into Google Analytics and things like that to be able to you know tell the story if this is sustainable or not. I've you know as an LP in a few funds, I've, I've definitely told them to not walk but run away uh, from certain investments because i just like, look, this isn't. Yeah, their top line is growing, but you know if you're spending five dollars to acquire a customer that's paying you a dollar this doesn't really (laughs) match up and, and make a lot of sense um and so honestly the thing i i love to do more than anything is is connect people i don't have an agenda it's like you're really really smart doing some interesting things you're smart i think you guys can you know kind of help each other and i don't know it just gives me a lot of joy to be able to like connect the dots as an investor advisor um or even you know with the clients that we work with as well on the agency side.
1: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Last question. What would you be doing or what industry would you be working in if you weren't doing what you're doing now? What would you choose to do? And it can't be another digital agency or anything (laughs) you've done before. It has to be something different than that. It can't be investing (laughs) outside of those things.
0: (laughs) So I I will answer it. uh, I promise. Um, The thing that is cool about the agency is we can kind of pick the client. So I get exposure to these industries. Like we just started working with this brand called Happy that uses magnetic frequency to change your state. Focus, sleep.
1: We had Scott on the (laughs) shelf.
0: Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. So we just started working with them, you know, kind of recently. And it's uh, so things that I'm like uh, a mudwater. We worked with this guy, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's in the mindfulness space. It's like, I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store because it's like, these are all products that I want. I get... Sometimes I'll get trade. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a, a spark grill and I'll grill outside and 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 use that, or you know, mindfulness, or you know, kind of what have you. So that part I do love. I, I know I naturally as an entrepreneur I have ADD, and I just get exposure to so many different things and in industries. So, but to to kind of answer your question, um, I, I really and that's why I think I Elon Musk and and what he was doing at Tesla and SpaceX and now Neuralink and he just set out to solve like really, really challenging problems. And and so one of those like portfolio, you know, companies of like a Tesla or a SpaceX to wake up every day and say that you're reducing carbon emissions through electric vehicles or you're colonizing, you know, kind of Mars or, you know, even what uh, Starlink, which is his Wi-Fi that spun out of SpaceX, like the Ukrainian, I think, vice president Tweeted, I'm saying like, hey, can you help us get Wi-Fi? The very next day, they had delivered the Starlink satellites to be able to help them, so that Russia couldn't reduce comms. I'm like, wow, you're doing some yeah. pretty amazing, you know, stuff to be able to like mm-hmm. not just you know, and and that's where I think I get really excited is what are some of the big problems that we're faced with as uh, as a species and in some ways, and so climate change, uh, you know, different things like that is where I get really lit up, and so. I'm also pushing our agency like how do we do more of that type of stuff because yeah. uh, you feel like you're not only just helping people, but you're helping, you know, so many different things and, and kind of like aspects So it becomes a lot more easy to get behind, uh, you know, as, as the clients that we work with. But, but if I didn't have the agency, it'd be doing, you know, I think I've always loved sales. So if I could combine sales and climate change in some way, I don't really know how those go together, but uh, they might.
1: They could. Uh, I would be, I
0: think, pretty excited. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's, that's great. That's, that's a cool answer. And yeah, also just awesome hearing about you know your thoughts on supporting initiatives and companies and the people who are really changing the world because that's you know just as helpful. So Drew, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm glad we made time and had you on. Really fun conversation. Where can people learn more about you and maybe get in touch?
0: Yeah, soldpcr.com is the website. I do like a weekly newsletter. It's kind of in the uh, similar vein of like a Tim Ferriss Five Bullet Friday. Might take a minute to digest. We have like different tips, tricks, brands that I'm seeing, uh, investments that I made. But yeah, it doesn't take very long. So uh, check it out. You can uh, subscribe, you know, come on the site. And then, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn, you know, you can find me by Drew Hemel or same on Twitter. So Twitter. I'm more of like the stalker. I just read a lot of content, but I don't really post LinkedIn. um, I'm a little more active and kind of posting. So
1: awesome. Thanks, Drew.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.
1: Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.